uh, you have to be honest. I mean, an off the cuff, sometimes it's the right word. <laughs> At the beginning, you noticed I came on. I was like, hi, everybody. Welcome to whatever. And then you were like, yeah, and then shit fucking dick. And I was like, okay, here's the show. <laughs> Holy shit, you came back. After that total clusterfuck of a first show. Oh, thanks again to Heath Miller, by the way. You, you beautiful wreck of humanity, you came back for this second installment of Rodeo Books. Now, I'd like to think I have something to do with that, but we both know you're here for the Big Lou, the LDP, the one and only Mr. Lou Diamond Phillips. Enjoy. Most, if not all of you, know him as Chavez in Young Guns and Young Guns 2, and perhaps you've walked around calling your friend's essay after seeing him as Angel. Mr. Kalkulas himself in Stand and Deliver. You might even know him from his turn as the shy, passive, and incredibly humble Cisco in The Big Hit. And even if you missed him in his countless TV roles in Longmire, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Cougar Town, Blue Bloods, and most recently Prodigal Son, then you absolutely know him as Richie Valens in a little movie called La Bamba. And if you know him from none of these, then stop listening because you've clearly wasted your life. I am beyond psyched to... Welcome here on the second episode of Radio Books, Mr. Lou Diamond Phillips. Thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be here, Bob. The reason that we are together here today is to celebrate the release of a little book called Operation Brushfire by Rhett C. Bruno and James Wallonick. And um, you read it, didn't you? I did indeed. And enjoyed enjoyed every minute of it, man. Uh, Yeah. Absolutely. I know Rhett Rhett and James... uh, did did an absolutely fantastic job, and uh, it's it, it's sort of one of those that kind of defies, I think, categorization. Uh, it reminded me of a lot of different uh, books and films of which uh, I'm a fan. I mean, I usually go, you know, to me, it it, it feels a little like Clancy, you know, a Tom Clancy, because there's this sort of international intrigue, this sort of spy aspect to it. Uh, there's a bit of Blade Runner, and certainly a, a Big Brother kind of 1984 vibe. Uh, so there, yeah. was, there was a lot about it to like, and you know, it's uh, dark and grungy. And what I, one of the things that I thought was absolutely brilliant, to be quite honest, was that this is not futuristic in the least. All of mm-hmm. those other things, you know, at the time were future-looking about a dystopian world. This is actually an alter, uh, an alternative history take. You know, like right after World War II, which is, you know, yeah. all of a sudden the, the world is a very, very different place. And you know, what if this had happened? What if that had happened? And it was, uh, it was quite thought-provoking. Yeah, Brett has a, a a tendency to take he I did a book for him called The Roach and ah. it's the, you know the anti superhero. Exactly. And Great. it could be, you know what I mean? It could be happening right. This is how it could be. And it's really he he really got into the the setting and the whole emotional background of the guy just kind of comes through even though he doesn't tell you everything mm-hmm. but you feel everything that he's trying to get across and it was so grungy yeah. and dirty and I'm like this this is a great book <laughs> so I said it's uh, it's I think my favorite of all time mm-hmm. that I've read and I don't usually say that I, you know because I don't want to it changes all the time what's yes. your favorite well this week it's this this week it's that but yeah. the Roach I absolutely loved it have you met Rhett? We have never physically been in the same space. Uh, obviously, I yep. think that would have been remedied, so to speak, if uh, we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. But uh, while I was uh, doing all the edits and uh, uh, polishes and all that other stuff, you know, we were doing it all remotely. Yeah, I'm sure he's used to that. I mean, as are most narrators and and authors. Well, most of us work from home and everything. So it hasn't been a big change for us. But you, what you do is constantly 
among people. You're constantly working with people, interacting, always around them. That's how you get the creative thing going. But this is a completely different beast. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, a, a lot of people, uh, thank goodness, are constantly discovering that I'll do just about anything to be employed and to feed my children. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, and, and audiobooks is, is one of those sidelines or side hustle, yeah. for, for lack of a better term. But I've been doing audiobooks now for like 20-something years, you know? Yeah. I've, uh, I've recorded a, a vast array of, of audiobooks, you know? I, I have only done Operation Brushfire recently. Uh, I, I think the one that I did previous to that would have been either the Clancy or a Tom Wolf, uh, back to blood, which I, oh. I absolutely loved. I, yeah. it, 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 it probably took me twice as long to record it because I was laughing on every other page. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I can't, you know, I, I just kept p- picturing Tom Wolf who at the time had to have been, you know, mid seventies to eighties. Yeah. What a horny little fucker. Uh, <laughs> you know, just the book is so raunchy. And so it's just right out there, you know, and, and I'm like, really? You must yeah. be awfully bored and lonely in your New York City townhouse because, uh, yeah. you know, there, there, there was a whole lot of slapping going on. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was just fun and raunchy and crazy and you know, nuts, you know, so. Okay. Well, I guess I think you're just going to see sales go up. <laughs> oh, he said slappy. <laughs> it does. It does, It makes all the difference, though, doesn't it? If you're actually really enjoying the book. Yeah. Because there, there can be times where it'll take me so long to read 10 pages. And I know the word count on the page is so much less than another book where the 10 pages just flies by and I'm actually 30 pages on. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm just enjoying it. And if it, you know, changes, you know, like, oh, we're following this character now. Nice. Yeah. I like him. I'm going to go on that. Yeah. And it just makes such a difference. You did a bunch of Jack Ryan ones. Yeah, four of those. Why not more? I'll be really honest. They didn't want to pay me as much as they were paying me anymore. They, oh. uh, yeah, 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 they screwed up. Oh, well, yeah, I hear <laughs> they, you. They started out, and the first one was a nice success, so they gave me a little bit more. And each one yep. of them did, uh, you know, uh, uh, successively better. And so they yeah. got to the point where it's like, no, we're not going to pay no. that much anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I got to say, I mean, I listened to those, and I was like, you know what? You sound like a Jack Ryan. Well, what I do is I, I try to channel my Harrison Ford, you know, well, uh, yeah, well, I don't wore we Harrison all. Ford. I had to wear a mini skirt to do it, but uh, <laughs> I do have more than a, a passing acquaintance with Harrison. Do you really? I do. I That's do. great. <laughs> you just have to seem completely unimpressed by everything. <laughs> uh, okay, quick story. Harrison Ford story. I appeared in a okay. movie called uh, Hollywood Homicide, and yep. uh, uh, I'm supposed to be an undercover cop in drag. So literally, man, I shaved my legs and wearing thigh-high fishnets. A mini skirt, a midriff top. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm dressed like a hooker. And, Excellent. And so I'm walking around Hollywood Boulevard like this for about four hours, waiting to shoot. And uh, the grips and electrics loved me until they figured out I was a dude. Right. You know, looks like a lady. <laughs> uh, at any rate, um, <laughs> and now I'm wondering what I'm going to shoot because I'm 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 all in this drag, and I walk up to Harrison who's like reading the Variety in his chair in a parking lot on Hollywood Boulevard. And they had put this glitter lotion on my, on my tummy, so I was, you know, I looked like a vampire from Twilight. And um, <laughs> I walked up and in a roundabout way, he was trying to get Harrison to tell me how soon he thought we would shoot. And I said, so, uh, Harrison, how's it going? He didn't even look up from his variety and went, well, I don't have glitter on my tummy, but I'm doing okay. 
So there's that. I'm not impressed by anything kind of. <laughs> and and that's it. That's your passing acquaintance. Yes. <laughs> I like that. All right. Okay. I'm gonna have to try and draw something to put that up on to advertise. Have <laughs> come listen to Lou talk about. Yeah. His time as a vampire hooker and me. Yes. <laughs> you know what pisses me off about you? Is that listening, I'm very happy I was, uh, Podium gave me some audio files to listen of Operation Brushfire. And I'm listening to you and you're just, you you just got this cool ass demeanor just going on. There, there's no, there's no, you make it look effortless. There's, or make it sound effortless, I should say. Where, I mean, I'm sure, obviously, we don't hear all the screw-ups and retakes and all that kind of stuff, but... There weren't any. There wasn't any? No, no. I did that okay. all in one take, dude. You know, it's 11 hours straight. Just boom. I do that, too, sometimes. I'll, if I, I Sometimes I, I put outtakes on the end of the audiobooks, and if there's... I put all of the screw-ups of one line, and then at the end of it, I'll be like, one take! <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, no, but it, it pisses me off. You're just like so chill. So, I mean, you just, you, you get the setting down, you know, like, you know exactly what type of ride you're in for. And it's, you know, there th that's something that I have to work into. And I'm sure other narrators have to work into it. But you just, um, okay, cool. Record and chapter one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I, you know, I, I don't know why. I, I don't really give it that much. I mean, in, in some, in some respects, it's a little bit like the acting. It's like, let the character talk and don't, don't, you know, gild the lily too much. Uh, yeah. when, when you've got a compelling, you know, novel like this, uh, that, you know, mm. uh, in many ways, let the, uh, you know, let, let the words speak for themselves. So, it's, yeah. you know, and, and, and there's, there's great power in understatement, I think. Yeah. And if it, if it's something that allows you just to drift into the background and that's all, that's what it's, that's what you're supposed to do. You're not even supposed yeah. to be there, but yeah, I mean, excellent job from what I heard of it. And something else that people say that I've talked to uh, your uh, accents are <laughs> impressive as hell. So uh, thank you. Yeah. And, and I have to agree. You do a lot of those. Do you do like a lot of, like, you know, I do, I do impressions all the time and I'm screwing around and, you know, and, and being, and being an, uh, you know, uh, an actor who is ambiguously Brown, uh, I, I've dealt, you know, I've dealt with accents my whole career. You know? Yeah. Uh, my daughter, my daughter's 13. And I said, Hey, uh, did you watch, um, did you watch La Bamba yet? And she's like, no. I'm like, all right. Did you watch, did you watch Young Guns yet? She's like, no. I'm like, God damn it. I'm talking to the guy. tonight, <laughs> And she, and I was like, well, he played a native American in Young Guns. And then Richie was Mexican. Is yeah, that right? Mexican -American, yeah. yeah. And Richie in a Mexican in, in La Bamba. And she goes, wait, is, let me guess. Is he white? I'm like, <laughs> No, do you all believe that now? <laughs> I have He's played white before, though. I have played. Oh, white. you totally have. I've yeah. seen it. And one or two, I've seen it. But, but I just thought it was funny. I was because I'm thinking to myself, you know, he really. I, I don't know. I don't know what he is. He's, <laughs> He's, He's American. He's, He's American. I'm a That's right. That's yeah, you got, but it's like the you know the the bone structure and the yeah. coloring and everything. It it lends you to it, you to play so many such a diverse. I, I would I would still character. like to play Russian one day. There are you know many nice. I Russian think you can do it. I think because they're Mongoloids from the north. Yeah, um, just <laughs> stay out of the sunlight yeah, for a day or two. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but I mean, yeah, the accents just came as part and parcel of a theater career, and and. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing a lot of different character roles, even when even, yeah. even as a lead. Sometimes, you know, I played the King of England, National Tour of Camelot. You know, I was awful, and so you know, I, I put on my very posh sort of you know, uh, kingly 
accent. But the one that I think really tested my metal and really got me used to being facile with uh, accents was the Clancy, because it's international. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you you have the core group, you know, and the Harrison core, but then you got the Russians and you got Russians. the French and you got the Australians. And one whole yep. book was, you know, uh, Chinese bad guys. So, mm. you know, it was it was really trying to to um, uh, become at least passingly convincing. And, and, you know, to, I, you know, delineate each character. And, and that, yep. that was one of the real joys of, of doing Operation Brushfire is that, you know, there were so because it's it's a multinational cast of characters. Yeah, do you get? I mean, it sounds like you get excited if you see that. Like, oh, good, we're going to uh, you know, I don't know, to to Australia, like you said. Yeah. Okay, good. Then I probably have to do somebody with an Australian accent. I get authors ask me like, what what can you do and what are you bad at? And then I'll say, well, I don't like doing South African. I'm not strong with it. And next thing I know, there's 37 South African characters. I'm like, you That's a tough one. It's, it's really it's guttural, and uh, you know, it's got the bit of the Dutch. Uh, yeah. yeah it's you know what i do if i have to do that you know that movie power of one yeah it was with uh yeah from early nine morgan freeman yeah. and was, was uh, matt damon as well no 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 no, no, no. Matt, matt damon, you know what matt damon nailed the uh the africana accent as did leo in uh blood diamond yes absolutely god i should think of that one i it's something more recent because <laughs> this one i'm talking about is like 91 it's got Stephen yeah. dorf daniel craig is in it actually he plays like a really horrible nazi um, but I, I go through these words that they say to get yeah. the positioning in my mouth yeah. to like, kind of like, but like you said, to do a passing accent, it's just enough. You just want to like touch on it. So, you yeah. know, oh, okay. He's, you know, whatever he's doing, he's, he's yeah. Irish, he's Scottish, whatever, but you don't want to go full bore because then they'll be ripping you to shreds. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I got some shit for uh, a Welsh accent because I, I, no freaking clue to be quite honest unfortunately yeah. he was only in like a half a chapter in one of the clancy novels so that that's the one that i just you know punted badly yeah and and you know the the, the danger like in, in operation brushfire with the, with the the french bus you know is to go uh, so far has to be unintelligible yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you bumble all that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And yeah, they'll, they'll catch you. They'll, they'll pick it up. I mean, I, I don't want to say I don't care, but <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Just don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Fine. You know what I was going. You say the character is French. My accent sucks. He's still French. Yeah. I mean, move along. <laughs> the, the, the one I hate is you get, you get 30 pages in, you know, and you, you have to make a, 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 and it's not the author's fault, but you have to make a choice. You know, on a character, you, then you're reading along. And he said in his fine Irish lil, God damn. <laughs> I did that for a whole book. A whole book. I thought <laughs> this guy was from Africa. So I gave him like a generalized African accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to the last chapter. <laughs> it specifically says he said in his very, you know, sharp Ohio accent. <laughs> like, Are you kidding me? So I was like, all right, backstory real quick. Yes. He grew up and he was born in Ohio, went here, his family's from Ohio, and it just came out as like a fun little aside. Yeah. That's what that was. That's it. <laughs> and then the critics say, what a brave choice, Bray. They went fully against the author's intentions. Exactly. <laughs> he clearly didn't think the author did a good job, did his own spin, and my God, what a success. Yeah. <laughs> so I, my question for you. Yeah. Are you ready? The difference between being on set and being in a booth. So, like, for example, when you're on a set, which 
it's actually you're probably like technically like hanging around in your trailer all day and you're noshing on craft services until it comes time for you like two minutes of work. And then uh, when it comes time to actually go to the set, you usually get like this real sweet, young, really driven PA that comes and knocks gently on your door and comes in like, oh, excuse me, Mr. Phillips, Mr. Phillips, um, we're ready for you on set. Ooh, so the bodice ripper romance novel, you know, diamond <laughs> on set. Stay with me here. Stay with me. <laughs> but they want you on set, but only if you're ready. Okay. And then you spend another 15 minutes getting into character and checking your stocks. And then you get there and the entire crew and the extras and the co-stars and everybody are waiting there to watch you perform these three sentences. Um, and when you're done taking, doing one take, they stand, give you a standing ovation. Uh, I heard that, uh, I think it was Prodigal Son. There was a woman who actually gave birth right there because you were so good and named a baby after you. But when you're in um, on the other side of the spectrum in the audio book thing, you are trapped in a booth and you have to come loaded with stamina and drive and focus and, and a hard exterior. And it's nonstop. You got to do 50 pages a day, 100 pages tomorrow. You have to get it done by Friday, Lou. Get it together. You're destroying our lives. Why do you exist? Now, is that pretty much the difference like between wow. Hollywood guy and like really hardworking audiobook narrator? Is that, that, was, that was like instant replay. Uh, my, my whole life just flashed in front of me, especially the birth of the baby because I cut the cord uh, of Little Blue Diamond. Yeah. Uh, and I had to do it with the clapper, you know, that, you know. Uh, the, Did you? Uh, yeah, because we didn't have any, you know, scalpels or anything. So I said, stretch yeah. it, stretch it. That's a take. I did not hear that. That is amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that for yeah. the first time. So. Well, it, it, it's interesting because I think I think the I think the real misconception in, in both cases is how hard, how hard the work yeah. is. Yes, you are supported by uh, uh, an entire crew, and the actual you know work of acting is so communal. It it really is about bouncing off the other people. There are times when I, I literally my homework was okay. Just learn your lines. Don't assume right. too much. I especially go to when I did uh, uh, Courage Under Fire with Denzel Washington and Meg Ryan. It's mm. like they are going to come loaded for bear. Uh, if I yeah. have locked myself too much into a performance, then uh, I'm, I'm going to miss all the gravy they're yeah. throwing at me. So I literally just I just knew my lines forwards, backwards, upside down and, and, and just did a lot of reacting. And it's, right. it's so interesting, man. So, some, some people can do this. I can't do this. I don't know if this applies to you or not. But I, I have to reread the material before I record it audiobook wise. Really? Okay. You know, I, 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 uh, I you said reread it. So you read it and then read and then well, read it no, again. I, then, I, no, I don't always have time to reread, but I, but I, I get it read the, the, you know, through. Yeah. So uh, preparation in both instances is key for me, you know, not yeah. only to like try to capture the, 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 uh, uh, writer's voice, but his rhythms and everything else. And also, like we said, you know, that one time where I had to back up 30 pages because the character wasn't what I thought he was going to be, mm. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for those breadcrumbs that, that helped me, you know, hang my hat on somebody, you know, uh, exactly. Uh, and I, and I, and I'm not good enough to wing it. You know, I'm not, I'm not good enough to just, you know, go in the booth and go, oh, yeah, well, no, we're going to make this guy this, right. You know, I, 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 well, I am I, that good. <laughs> I know you are. I, I expect somebody like you to be, you know, I, honestly. Well, I've been doing it for 10 years, but I also I, I I never wanted to say no to a project because I felt if I said no, they wouldn't ask me next time. Oh, he said no last time. So I kept saying yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 
And this was actually when I started, I was, I had another job. I was doing high energy car commercials. I get in now. So I was doing that during the day books at night. And then I said, I realized I'm turning down audio books because I have to do my day job. So that might be a time to switch, but I still kept saying yes and yes and yes. And there was no time to read a book. Yeah then record it, then read the next one. So it's like, I, I just kind of got into the rhythm of dry reads. And, and I sometimes say to people, um, they say, do you, do you read beforehand? Do you research? Do you whatever? Um, I say the best way to describe it is like Matt Damon said in Goodwill Hunting, when he looks at math, it just makes sense. When yeah. a pianist looks at a piano, yeah. it just makes sense. I didn't know this was going to make sense, but it does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I can just kind of wing it, but there are times, like I said, where I'm just, wow, I was way off the mark or <laughs> I hate the voice I'm doing. So I, I go back and I redo all those lines or just, it, there will be things that bother me that I don't get right, right off the bat. But, um, another question for you, what kind of setup do you have? Do you read from like a book? Do you sit when you read or do you stand and deliver your narration? <laughs> that was a big hit. That last joke. Wow. Like that? <laughs> I told you, man, I was going to come up with some dumb shit. <laughs> oh, I'm your guy. <laughs> I am the dumbest of the shittiest. <laughs> you know? so, king of what? dad jokes, man. Just look at me on Twitter, man. I, I, I've, I've, I've hurt people. My wife is almost blind from how much her eyes roll. You know? <laughs> Well, that's what I told you. It's going to be shit we laugh at. Exactly. That women think we're dumb, yeah. but they're going to laugh at it because it's funny. Well, <laughs> so. it's interesting, man. I got to, you know, I, I kind of got to get out of the house. Some of my best stuff is when I just take a notepad and I go outside and I sit on a park bench with a cigar. And I, you know, when I'm home, I'm, I'm dead. There's always something to be done. I got five cats, so the, the floor could always be swept. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, the garbage could always be taken out. I, I do a lot of the cooking. So when do I start to prep? So home is not the most conducive uh, workspace for mm. me. Uh, and so uh, and especially uh, our daughter's also homeschooled. So so there's you know a okay. lot. going. Uh, she's 13 as well. Just like you. Oh, all right. So so there's always a lot going on in the house. And I've been in New York for the last couple of years. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's it's not this expansive, you know, Vermont ranch house where I can go to my place. <laughs> recording an audiobook 10 hours a day you know i got to get out uh, and i also uh, i don't trust my own ability with uh uh technology uh okay. so you know i got to go to a studio fortunately yeah. in uh new york I, i've been going to, to two really great places that are very uh covid aware conscious yeah aware thank yeah. you they're covid conscious exactly uh, and you feel really safe and you're isolated in the booth anyway but you're even more isolated now after they hose you down and you know everything else. yeah uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I sit because it's going to be a long day and, and when I'm doing the audiobooks, I always bring like throat coat, you know, the tea. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, uh, I used to do, uh, the Hall's mentholitis, but the, you know, the, the, all the menthol dries you out eventually. So, uh, yeah. uh, I discovered, uh, when I was doing Broadway, uh, Grather's pastilles, those nice black currant pastilles oh. are older. Fabulous. Uh, they will make just, your, that, uh, I, yeah. I would just say black currant, but wow. Really it makes wrong. you say the currant. Currant. <laughs> Yeah, that's how good it is. My goodness. <laughs> wow. Let's see if we can get them to be sponsor of this one. <laughs> cool, man. Uh, another thought that I had, though, was like while you were recording, did anyone rush in to tell you that Los Lobos has a new album? <laughs> no. And if, 
And if they did, did they ask you about lip syncing their new video? For <laughs> I, I just like to be in the video, you know, I mean, I lip synced in the first video. So it's just kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you heard it though? It's actually pretty damn I have good. Not, but, a, but those guys are like such journeyman musicians. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, they're, oh God, it was outstanding. I, I looked it up as like a joke. Oh, they got something new out. But I started listening to it. There's a song called Love Special Delivery. I'm like, this is badass. Yeah. It's not, it's not like, it's like, you know how ACDC made their sound? That's their sound. Los Lobos yeah. plays yeah. everything, but they can just bring it back to straight rock and kick ass. It, it, it's yeah. outstanding. If you haven't heard it, I tell you, listen to it because yeah, it's no, good. Just, just, uh, all their blues influence and everything else. Funny little yeah. story. Uh, I did a play called uh, The Good Person of Seth Swan that was a brand new translation by Tony Kushner, Angels in America, yep. Pulitzer and, yep. Nobel, uh, re just recently re uh, rewrote West Side Story. Yeah, it, it was in uh, La Jolla Playhouse down in San Diego. He mm -hmm. came, workshopped with us, but uh, Louis Perez and David Hidalgo of Los Lobos, and David was my voice, uh, wrote yep. music for this. It was, you know, it was a Bertolt Brecht play with music. Yeah. And so I, end I ended up singing their songs on stage you know, so it's this, this whole full circle thing. That's that, funny. That's that, awesome. That production led to me being uh, in the King and I on Broadway because. Uh, uh, oh, really? Bender, yeah. Jay Bender, a uh, uh, New York casting director, saw me on stage and went, oh, oh, he's an interesting oh. thought. I never thought of this one. Yes. <laughs> I believe cool, he's man. Asian awesome. in all of that uh, mix of. <laughs> he can pull off Asian, right? Uh, isn't that in the group? Yeah. I just. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, dude. Um, so, Lou, uh, you want to talk about Rhett? Sure. Because he's the one that actually introduced you and me. Indeed. His and uh, Steve Bollier's uh, publishing company, Athon Books. Yes. They put out your book, Tinderbox. Yes. A Soldier of Indira. And uh, they got in touch with Podium to do the audio. Podium made the brilliant choice to cast me and Julia Whalen. And yes. the rest is this. Well, it, it's so <laughs> funny, man. Because, okay, I'll be honest. It's like Rhett and Steve are going to you know, publish the book, which obviously I, I'm so grateful about. And uh, it's yeah. done incredibly well surprisingly well you know good and you know i thought okay well there'll be, there'll be an audiobook and i wonder who they're gonna get to do the audiobook <laughs> and uh the yeah, the phone call comes he goes do you know rc brain and i'm uh uh, uh uh not really but uh, okay no huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he'd be a brilliant choice to do the audiobook i go but i uh but i you know i i, I act <laughs> you know? and ultimately it was like yeah man go go with the fucking shit go with the guy you know yeah which which was you and then it was also i believe it was rhett's idea to uh to you know say hey you know because because it does jump point of view uh you know yeah. from you know male to female to the different characters he goes why don't we get you know julie whalen to do the the, the female centric uh chapters yeah. And I thought that was actually brilliant. I thought that was brilliant. It's it's hard. Sometimes it's it can be hard to do, but the way the way you set up the book, it it worked perfectly for you know that that's that's how it should have been done, you know. So, but yeah, yeah no, mean, and, and 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 it was the right way to go. And and like mm -hmm. and it's interesting. I mean, you know, we're talking about process. So much of it is putting aside ego. Maybe, maybe the the ten year anniversary or whatever. I'll I'll, I'll do an audio recording of it or something. But right. but you know, I thought. This, this will absolutely be the best way to go for the book. Uh, and, and Yvonne, you know, my, my illustrator and co-writer and everything else, uh, yeah. you know, we both agree this, this is the way to go because it, uh, it, it uh, would be very supportive of the material. And, you know, at, at a certain point, I'm, I'm very aware of not wanting something to look like a vanity project. You know what I mean? Right. I wrote the book to be a book. 
you know and there's a thing though that there are some authors who i i usually recommend don't don't read it you did your job let you know now let the professional narrator do it because but there are certain ones that like neil gaiman is a hell of an author and a hell of a narrator i'm reading neverwhere right now it's oh okay See, well, listen to the audiobook and you'll see. Yep. Malcolm Gladwell. No one could read Malcolm Gladwell's books. He's it is perfect for it. But see, you're a narrator. You know, sometimes there's like you said, the ego. There would be Hollywood coming in to read their book, but you could have actually done it. And I think you should do it for an anniversary or something, because you are an actual narrator. You tell stories. You're not, you know, mm-hmm. you know, banking on Lou Diamond Phillips, like you're an actual narrator. I think you would have nailed it, but I'm glad you didn't because I did. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, you did. Uh, and 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 you guys got nominated for an award for it as well, which is yeah. like, hello, come on. We, I like we being right. <laughs> we did. We got we got nominated for uh, an independent audiobook award for mm-hmm. Tinderbox Soldier of Indira, and unfortunately, it didn't win. But you know what did win, Lou? Was the Roach by ah, Rexy Bruno? You double dipping, Mister. You double dipping. The fix was in. For those listening, I just showed Lou my award that he doesn't have that I might let him look at one day <laughs> closer. <laughs> but maybe, maybe you'll get something for rent for Operation Brushfire out now. <laughs> today, 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 today. Yeah. Tinderbox, it was like I said, it was, I think it was one of my favorites that I've read this year. It's such a damn good book. When a story gets to me, I just love it. And I loved that book. And I'm so excited to hear you're doing book two. And I hope that it's still, you know, I get to read it. <laughs> Unless you've killed off the character and I can't. If, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's one of those. <laughs> That's one of those. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yes. <laughs> Be proud of yourself. It was is an ass kicking book, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Get it? And yeah. it was just up for a Dragon Award, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was up for a Dragon Award. Uh, did not win, uh, as Rhett pointed out uh, uh, proudly, I might add, for both of us. Uh, it was the only independent book uh, on the list of the ones nominated. So nice. you know, we we uh, we've been playing David uh, from Jump Street, and uh, it's it's great, man. You know, you're up against some Goliaths, but. That's that. That's been the story of my career. I saw uh, an interview with you once where you said, you know, I there was a time where you could have gone after certain roles, and because they were coming at you, but you it, you you did that for a little bit. But there was, came a point where you said, I I just I want to do the movie that's good. I want a story that speaks to me, and I love the character, and I love the story. Is is that what it was with like Stand yeah. and Deliver? Was that like you just loved that story? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, well, well, that was just one I, of I them. I love being employed. I fell into that, actually. <laughs> Quite honestly, I mean, that, that one specifically. I was out of money. La okay. was shot in the summer of 86 and did not come out until August of 87. By okay. December of 86, I was, uh, and I got paid scale. So, oh. so yeah, like $6,000, and I gave half of that to my mother. So right. by the end, by, by December, I was going to have to move back to Texas because I was almost out of money. Mm-hmm. And then I landed a gig on Miami Vice. And uh, uh, Eddie, you know, once again, this is six degrees of separation, in my case, two, sometimes one. But yeah. uh, I um, uh, did the episode of Miami Vice. I had one scene with Eddie Olmos, who had done Zoot Suit with Luis and Danny Valdez. He knew about La Bamba. He knew that I was the lead in La Bamba. 
so he knew that I had that, you know, still, you know, in my back pocket, but it wasn't going to be coming yeah. out for six months. And and nobody was hiring me in Hollywood because I unknown kid from Texas playing an obscure Mexican rock and roller who was a football yeah. buddy Holly's career on an uh, independent ne- negative pickup through Columbia Pictures made for six right. million dollars. It did not have blockbuster written all over it. Right. You know what I mean? So nobody was willing to gamble on my next gig. Uh, yeah. But Eddie, after we did our scene together, he goes, what are you doing next month? And I said, there's nothing. You want to have lunch? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing this movie. It's a very important movie. Uh, and, you know, gives me a number. one eight to call when yeah. I get back to L.A. And it's it's the director, Ramon Menendez. And that's how I ended up in Stand and Deliver. So, you know, you it, 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 I, I fell into that. It wasn't it wasn't like I scoured Hollywood for the best script available. I got like oh, you're right. <laughs> Hi, my name's Lou. I'm looking for who the fuck is this? Exactly, right? <laughs> This I know this is an audiobook thing, and I don't want to like keep talking about your films, but I'm a fan, so I don't fucking care. It's my show. It Suck it up. Show. Ready? That's right. So- <laughs> and there's the raw in audiobooks. Goddamn right. So one more thing though about uh, movies. So I went, you know, I went to uh, IMDb as you do, mm-hmm. just to look through some things, and it was great because it took me forever because I was like, oh yeah, all right, <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, you I was like, oh shit, it. that's right. And it was actually I went back and I watched. I saw uh, Stand and Deliver. I was like, I gotta go watch that shit again. And I completely forgot about what's calculus. Calculus. <laughs> was probably one of the greatest lines in film history. <laughs> um, but I saw at the bottom, and I asked you if it was okay to bring this up. You said it's cool. And for those who don't know, what is something called Guns 3, alias Billy the Kid? What's yeah, that? Yeah, it, 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 it uh, it's a sequel. It's a sequel no. that Emilio is trying to get off the ground. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wrote I, I read uh, I read the the first script that he wrote. Uh, John mm-hmm. Fusco, the original writer, producer, is having a hand in it. I hear there might be some tough sledding. A little while ago, it was uh, OK. OK. It looks like this is going to happen uh, now. I don't know this whole thing with with IP and the, the branding. And stuff, I think there I think there are a lot of people who have claim legal claim. Uh-huh to uh the the original concept and uh names that even even though they are historical characters william yeah. johnny is an historical character um i think if it you know falls under the 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 umbrella of young guns there might be a little bit of a uh uh hurdle yeah uh a morass <laughs> to 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 wade uh-huh. through so so um I, I was hoping uh knowing we were talking about this, I was hoping to give you some more positive news, but uh the news I, I've heard lately is that is that uh you know they're having to refuel and rethink. No, that's no, that's great because you know how many people are gonna see that like me and go, Well, what the fuck what's that shit? What is that? Right. So I mean it was a great idea. It's still a great it, idea. Let's hope it is still a great idea. Well, but I'm curious because it has you listed, you know, if whatever as as how, how do you say it, Chavez? Yeah, Chavez. I said Chavez, but I mean, you know, Chavez. You know Dirty Steve called Chavez. Uh, Chavez. But here's my question: In the first one, you are Chavez e Chavez. Yes. This one, you're just Chavez. Well, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Well, I've entered the Beyonce stage of my Chavez career. You know, I only need the one name, you know, Madonna, Sting, Bono. Cher, there you go. Chavez. <laughs> well, I was wondering, because like if at the end of number two, 
you know, you went off. Okay, we'll just say you went off. I didn't and see a rider. Was, on that, that was that one of the Chavez. Did you did you see a rider on that spirit horse? I think I'm not. Right. I don't know. I'm gonna have to go watch it again. <laughs> but no, but that's what I'm saying. Just one Chavez rode rode off, maybe. The and others, the, the other each one. That's the one that's left. <laughs> well, that's why there was two. <laughs> Throw that to Emilio. You, he could have that. That's all fine. Do, is there anything else you want to plug, man? I've kept you for a long time, and you've been so gracious, oh, and I really was, appreciate it. My absolute is pleasure, it? man. No, I mean, you know, the big the big deal right now is is uh, you know Operation Brushfire. Very awesome. proud of it. It's out, and as you know, you know, it's it's so gratifying that that Brett and James are happy with it. So that means a lot yeah. to me. And and uh, it's it's a real fun listen, man. It's real thought provoking. It's real cool. Awesome. And then uh, obviously, you know, I mean, Tinderbox in its many forms is still out there as well. You know, and on on audiobook with you and, and Julia, and uh, it's still on Kindle. It just came out in paperback, and uh, oh, nice. it, that's selling like a Operation Brushfire. Oh, uh, oh my <laughs> goodness! Wait, are the are the illustrations in that one, or just in the hardcover? Yeah, no, the, the the illustrations are in the paperback as well. My wife, Yvonne, uh, illustrated oh. Tinderbox. Uh, it was very important because it was her idea in the first place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the whole book was born from you know some sketches she had done uh, that were actually manga style. Uh, and she did yeah. them in the nineties uh, before you know people uh, who liked manga were cool. Yeah, so she she done all these drawings and. I said, well, this is a movie, man. These, this is cool. I mean, it was like Kurosawa, and it had the whole kind of Star Wars feel to it, which you know drew heavily yeah. off of you know uh, samurai lore. And 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 so I, I I actually did write a screenplay, but after I finished the screenplay, I thought, holy shit, this is so expensive. Nobody's ever going to let me direct this. <laughs> so um, what's the best way to you know to brand this and put my stamp on it? Well, you know, the book. The book was the best there way to go, go about it. And now I've actually changed my mind. I don't know if it's a feature film anymore. I think it might actually be a miniseries. Uh, and so we, uh, we'll take a look at that. Because I think I oh. really think as far as novels go, uh, yeah. uh, the, 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 you're able to expand, whether it's four, six, eight, ten part you know, limited series. Yeah. You can really, really you know, create the world in, in that. And, and uh, uh, that, that certainly seems to be the, 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 the format for sure. Yeah, I I hope you will. It's uh, like I said, it's a fantastic. It's a it's a great story, and it's I I want more, not just so I can narrate it. I, whatever, yeah. I don't care. I mean, I do, you but do. I don't. I I want to read it <laughs> just because I love the story. So I hope to see that soon from you. And uh, remember, Operation Brushfire. I'm not going to do the thing about the book that I did today, Ruins of the Galaxy Four, from J. N. Cheney and Christopher Hopper being out today as well. I'm not going to do that. We're going to focus today on. Operation Brushfire. <laughs> Red Sea Bruno, James Wolanik, narrated by Mr. Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou, you have been just, just thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Um, coming on here, you're busy. Uh, you fit me in your schedule. And um, my absolute pleasure, Bob. Seriously. But you also, it's good to thank know. you. And, and you're one of those guys that I got to meet in person when all this. I was just going to say, over. like, I was going to say in a cheesy way, but you are the definition of a good pal. Yeah. And uh, I do hope we run into each other one day in person. I shake your hand and say thanks in person because I've enjoyed our little chats back and forth and especially right here. And and uh, I appreciate you just taking time out for this. And, I, and it, it, you give me legitimacy, but it's also just I don't mind saying, hey, hey, hey honey, honey, Lou wrote to me. I'll be busy. <laughs> I have to craft something back. <laughs> But, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you, brother. All right. I'll see you again down the road, man. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I will never again be able to watch Lou on the screen or hear him on an audiobook without thinking, look at him. Look at my ambiguously brown friend Lou go. I'll also never get over the fact that, as a kid, I would watch movie stars and rock stars and porn stars, obviously, and think they're bigger than life. Only by luck or by stalking would I ever get an autograph or wave at them and they'd wave back or something silly like that. But now that I'm older and handsomer and have, through sheer happenstance, met some of those folks, it's so great to know that stars, well, they really are just like us. We've got toddlers or teenagers, pets that shit on the floor, toddlers and teenagers that shit on the floor, dishes to put away, wives that forget their place, toilets that need scrubbing, even though all the shit's on the floor, the polarizing fear of falling asleep that comes immediately after saying dumb shit about your wife knowing her place. You know, life. And it's never more true than with Lou. But I will tell you, it is without a doubt one of the coolest things to be able to call him Catch Lou narrating Red Sea Bruno and James Wallonick's Operation Brushfire now available from Podium Audio only on Audible.com. And be sure to follow him on the socials at Lou D. Phillips. All right, next time, master of non sequiturs and manufacturer of those little voices in your head, my dear friend Peter Duty Burkrod. Yeah, this one's going to be a good time. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Audio Books. This is R.C. Bray. And that is definitely infected. Wow, that burns.